We're on the road. Where transportation goes, community grows. Welcome to On the Road with the MTA. And welcome to another edition of On the Road with the MTA. I'm Jay Gibbons alongside with Stephanie Kay from the MTA. How's Steph today? <laughs> well, I cannot believe next week is Christmas. Oh, it's unbelievable. When you just told me that, I thought, no, we've got two weeks, don't we? No, we don't. No, we don't. Oh, my gosh. Did you get all your Christmas shopping finished? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. What'd you buy me? Uh, well, <laughs> you can't know that until... I will know it when I see it parked in my driveway. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I feel like I have a Christmas gift already because I'm able to speak to a really great friend of mine. This man is amazing. He's great. Everybody seems to know him as Dr. Bobby, but his name is Dr. Bobby McCullough. And when I was doing the Children's Miracle Network with him, he was amazing because he found cancer in a young man that was just having some throat problems that they couldn't discovered that on their own and then went to Dr. Bobby and he found it right away saved this young man's life and his mother called his doctor yum yum because he's so <laughs> handsome and knowledgeable and just just delightful I mean but he is so knowledgeable he is the president of the Michigan State Medical Society which is huge he is the uh, head and neck surgeon which there's a name for that Dr. Bobby how do you pronounce that it's uh, otolaryngology. That's what I was going to say. Wow. How do you spell that? <laughs> or, That's what I meant. Uh, well, you spell it ear, nose, and throat. <laughs> exactly. Well, you're everywhere. and We really appreciate you always sharing your time to go out there and give the vaccination shots. I mean, I've seen you. I think you've even given me one. It's just been so easy. It did not hurt at all. He's been wonderful. You have twins of your own. And how old are those boys? I went to their fifth birthday party, and that was amazing. But they're in college now. How old are they? They're 21, yep. So they're seniors Stop in college it. this year. So wow. big changes ahead for them. Wow. So like, they can drink with you now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, one does more than he probably should, and the other one has no interest in that. So, uh, well, you <laughs> don't kinda... drink either, do you? No, I, I quit uh, maybe five, six years ago. Uh, when the kids started to pay attention to parents' behavior, I thought, you know, oh. I'm going to try to set a different example. So, Oh, good I, for I, you. Well, I know your beautiful wife, Nita, is amazing OBGYN doctor, and she has saved lives as well. I've sent her my friends, and they cannot say good enough about her. So just a wonderful family, your parents, her parents. You've done so much for this area. But what people are really wanting to know right now is about COVID. We thought by this time it might be over. It looks like it's mm -hmm. spiking again. Some people are getting vaccinated. I've already had both my shots and a booster. But Bobby, Good. some people are refusing to get the vaccine. Yeah, How do you crazy. feel about that? Well, you know, it. Uh, my, my feeling has changed over time. I mean, when the vaccine was brand new, you know, and, and the number of people that it was tested on was 40,000 uh, when it first became available under that emergency use authorization, I thought, okay, well, there, there's some logic to saying that it hasn't been around long enough. It hasn't been tested enough. I want to wait, you know, a little longer. And, and I completely understood that. But now that we have, you know, a couple hundred million people in this country alone, let alone the billions around the world, it's hard to argue that we don't have enough data about it. Um, the one argument that still persists is long-term data. What is it going to do after it's been in you for 10 years? I mean, so that, I mean, that I could see as a somewhat legitimate argument, but there's a scientific answer to that question too, and that you look and see what's in it. And in these vaccines, particularly the Moderna and the Pfizer one, it's, it's mRNA, it's some sugar, it's some lipid which is pretty much in any, you know, meal that you eat, there's going to be the same ingredients, right? Except that, you know, this is going in your arm instead of in your belly. And so 
do we expect that the Big Mac or the Whopper that we eat today is going to have some consequences <laughs> 20 years from now? Right. Well, yeah, if we eat enough of them, but but it's not the kind of thing that we should be on pins and needles worrying about long-term side effects. And so there's plenty of data. So I guess to answer your question, um, what do I say to people like that? I would, I, I, I'm still firmly in sort of education mode, answering their questions, bringing them along, you know, and now, as you said, with the with cases spike again, I'm seeing people who, you know, were are young and they're in their 20s and 30s that sort of felt immune to this before, but now are seeing friends of theirs get sick, friends of theirs get admitted to the hospital, mm-hmm. and now they're coming along and they're saying, you know what, maybe it's time. Um, I think I'm ready. So this Friday, I'm vaccinating two people that have have avoided vaccination all up to this point because of these concerns. And now they're finally ready because they see what's going on around them. Right. Well, I, I got to admit, I was kind of like you were talking about, I didn't know what was in it. I was kind of apprehensive. I wanted to wait a while to see what was going to be happening. But once I realized I go to the senior homes, my mother is 92. I want to mm-hmm. travel. I saw that it was seeming to work for people. I think the first minute they had it done was 92 years old or something. He's still going strong. I thought, you know what? It's probably time. So I did get the Pfizer. That was all that was offered at the time. I kind of wanted the Moderna, but the Pfizer is being offered. So I got two of those. When I went in for my Mm -hmm. booster, he said you could wait until Monday to get a Pfizer, but I have the Moderna right now. And I called you and you said it's totally okay to mix those. You don't have to stick with the same brand, correct? That's correct. Yep. Yep. You were basically boosting antibodies. And there's some people that, you know, there's not great science behind it, but it's all highly efficacious. And the Moderna is a little bit more efficacious than Pfizer. But the goal is to develop antibodies to the virus. Um, And so whether the antibody is to this portion of the virus or that portion of the virus, either way, it helps your immune system attack it. And so, yes, it's absolutely fine to mix and match like that. Well, okay, I have a question for you because this one I just don't know the answer to and I'm hoping maybe you can. No problem if you don't, but I have gotten my vaccinations and a booster as well. My friend who has... Her father just died from COVID. Her sister and her brother are both in the hospital with COVID, not doing well. Mm-hmm. She still refuses to get the vaccine and says she feels like it's a poison in her system. She chooses to die when God's ready. She's just not going to do it. So I think, and may correct me if I'm wrong, if you do get the, vi- the vaccine, you're also protecting others from passing it on to them. But that might not be right. So my question to you is, Let's just say it's two people. I've, I've been vaccinated and she has not. If we both came in contact with the virus, mm-hmm. is one of us more likely to pass it on to somebody else than the other? Yep. So it, uh, you know, what's interesting about this, and, and this is kind of what I've been seeing for the past two years, is that you can find data to support whatever you think on this, on this sure. question in particular. Mm-hmm. So there is data to show that the viral load, you know, when somebody sneezes, that's been vaccinated and unvaccinated that are both infected, the amount of virus at at a particular point is the same for both of them, right? So there's a study that shows that. But there's also a study to show that the duration of time that you're sneezing that high level of virus out is shorter for those that are vaccinated, right? So, So for example, somebody that's unvaccinated that gets infected, that's sneezing out, you know, COVID particles, will do that high viral output for a longer amount of time than the person that is vaccinated. So if it's if you're sneezing out a high amount of virus for three days, if you're unvaccinated, it might be one day if you're vaccinated. If you measure on that day, it'll look the same between both groups, but it's just fewer days that you're sort of exhaling that amount of virus. So there is an advantage as far as decreasing spread um, to being vaccinated. 
Well, I know people are saying, well, okay, I can be vaccinated. I can still get COVID. And yes, that's true. But aren't their symptoms a lot less than if they were unvaccinated? That could put them in the hospital. Absolutely. Yep. In fact, if you look at the people that are in the hospital now, you know, our three area hospitals here in Genesee County and across the country, the vast majority, so 75% of the people, if not more, that are getting admitted because they need something more than just outpatient care where where hydration and vitamins and, and monoclonal antibody and all the things that we do to try to keep people out of the hospital didn't work and they're getting so sick that their oxygen level is dropping that they end up needing to be in the hospital, three out of four of them, if not more, are unvaccinated. And then when you look at the extreme of that, so the people that end up in the hospital and end up needing a little bit more than just a regular hospital bed and need to end up in the ICU because they're so sick or might need to be on a ventilator, that's like 95% plus unvaccinated. So could you still get sick and, and, and have the vaccine? Absolutely, but you're not going to get as sick. And honestly, from, from the healthcare perspective, given what our, our nurses and everybody else in the hospital and the physicians and the respiratory therapists and the people that have to go in and, and disinfect a room after somebody gets discharged, hopefully, but, but passes you know, if they're unlucky, um, that all of those people, after burning the candle on both ends for all this time, you know, this is the last thing they need is the kind of surge we're seeing now. And so just out of compassion for those people that have dedicated two years of their lives in a way that they never thought would be necessary with this career choice, um, that, you know, getting vaccinated and having a mild case that keeps you at home instead of in the hospital is very important. Well, yeah, and the hospitals are so overrun. They're just, they're, I feel so bad oh, for the, yeah. the medical staff. They are just exhausted. And I know a little girl who's 35. She had just turned 35, and she has three little boys. She um, did not get vaccinated, neither did her husband. He got COVID, but he was able to go home, still feeling very tired months later. She yeah. is, she was on a ventilator for 27 days, and they finally right. took her off and gave her a trach. So she's actually coming to now. She's able to you know, try to speak and you can hear her softly. Yeah, communicate. I was, yeah. I think that's a miracle. I thought for sure things were just not looking good and we were saying prayers for her, but it looks like, I don't think she's totally out of the woods yet. She's going to have a long recovery with, exactly. with uh, yep. rehab. Of, yeah. She can't even use yep. her hands very well right now, but yeah, lots of stories like that. And, and you know, the lesson from those stories is, and you know, I, you, you talk to most people like that and they all, we're looking back on what they went through would say, boy, if vaccination would have prevented this, I'd have done it. Exactly. And, and so, I mean, how many times do we need to hear people that go through that, say that before it sinks in? You know, I mean, we shouldn't have to suffer the way that everybody else suffers to learn the lesson. If, if somebody sticks their hand in a fire and gets burned, that's enough for me to not want to do it. Right. I don't need to feel <laughs> exactly. it myself. I don't need to feel it myself to know that it's not a good thing to do. Right. right? And the same thing here. If somebody somebody in their 30s is on death's door on a ventilator for almost a month that could have been avoided by getting vaccinated, yeah. heck, I don't need to roll the dice with that. And then I hear that the um, after effect can be so much worse. They could be on oxygen for the rest of their lives, or they just don't have the energy they used to have, or their lungs are really challenged. Yeah. And it's not like they just bounce right back and they're back to normal within a month. There's a lot of recuperation yep, from there, that. Yeah. Yep, there's a lot of what we call chronic COVID where people have, you know, just, just going up a flight of stairs ends up creating them, you know, makes them so winded that they're literally like pausing to get mm -hmm. up a flight of stairs. And that's sort of the, you know, and, and I, I saw two people in my office today, and nowadays I see at least two, sometimes four or five a day. And, and the very first thing that comes out of their mouth is, I was fine, and then I got COVID, and now dot, 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 right? Yes, and fill right. in the blank. For me, right. it's, 
my, my ears are plugged up or, you know, my sense of smell hasn't come back or I've got some chronic, chronic sinus issues or I've got a chronic cough, but they, they all link it back to when they had COVID. And that's the mild stuff, right? I mean, that's not even talking about your friend that has a tracheostomy tube now that probably, you know, isn't going to be walking up a flight of stairs for a long time, mm-hmm. but anywhere from the mild fatigue slash annoying symptoms to the severe life altering, never going to be the same again symptoms, surviving it, you know, we used to look at death rate from COVID because, you know, before vaccination, that was, it was a critical piece of it. But now that our medical care has gotten better and we know how to manage patients and we have a few more tools like monoclonal antibody and antiviral medication, right? you know, now we can expand our perspective to say, okay, surviving it is one thing and that's great, but what is the quality of life after survival? And that's kind of what we're getting at with this question is it's not the same for a lot of people. No, I know there was one man, I, I don't know him personally, but um, I knew a friend of his and I saw him on television. I think he was 37 years old and he said he was just fit, muscular. I mean, he worked out every day. He was the just the epitome of health and he got COVID and now he will be on oxygen for the rest of his life. And I was shocked by that. I thought maybe he could come back around right. from that, but he said, no, his lungs were so challenged. Now he'll always have to have oxygen and he can't do half the stuff he used to. So nobody wants that for their lives. Exactly. It's, uh, you know, um, there's some very interesting pictures that circulated like a year and a half ago, just in, you know, in the doctor's social media groups and stuff like that. And it was radiologists that were sort of posting pictures of what the x-rays and CT scans of the lungs of their COVID patients looked like. Mm -hmm. And it was a disaster. I mean, you look at these lungs, lungs are supposed to be black on these images. That means they're full of air. That's what air looks like. Um, And these were whited out. I mean, it looked like like Swiss cheese with little pockets of black, but mostly white um, in these lungs. And it's it's scary looking. Um, wow. And that's for somebody that sees that every day. But it doesn't take a medical degree to look at normal um, CAT scans of the lungs and then COVID positive patients, pneumonia patients in the ICU, their CAT scans. It doesn't need a medical degree to tell which one's bad. Well, I have a friend, I just saw him at a chamber event, actually it was the uh, Genesee Rotary yesterday. And he said that his daughter just got into the medical field and she just graduated and she's right in the middle of this. And she was shocked to see that the majority of people that have been passing away and she sees a lot every day. She's not in this area though. Um, she said they're non-vaccinated younger people that experience recreational marijuana use. So their lungs are already challenged they're young, so they thought they don't need the vaccine, and they are dying. They're not coming back out of the hospital. So to her, that was just a real eye-opener. And I didn't yeah. think about that. People that do smoke or recreational pot, that's going to hurt your lungs, and that's yeah. going to be harder to recoup from this. So that's a lesson. Yeah, I haven't seen the, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen the data on recreational cannabis use, but certainly the worse shape your lungs are in before you get COVID, the more trouble you're going to be in after you get COVID. Sure. I mean, that's kind of a a no-brainer. It doesn't take a, a, a medical degree to know that. Um, and so anything that diminishes lung capacity, whether that's smoking cigarettes, you know, whether that's asthma, whether that's COPD, um, whether that's recreational marijuana, you know, anything that makes you start with less than great lung capacity puts you at increased risk of ending up in a bad way after you get COVID pneumonia. So for those of us that are trying to stay on top of things and getting the booster, I was told we might have to get boosters like every six months. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the prevailing theory right now, just because the immunity is great in that first six months. And that's where everyone is really excited when we first started doing vaccinations and looking at antibody levels and resistance to getting infections. Numbers were fantastic for the first six months. 
but then the immunity wanes, it drops a little bit, and that's why it needs to be boosted. So now we're recommending everybody get a booster. Uh, but if I had to predict, I would say that, yes, this is something that we will need boosters from time to time in the same way that um, with a regular flu, you know, it mutates from year to year and they change the formulation of the flu shot that all of us in healthcare end up getting it every year. Um, and in the same way, you know, right now we don't have to change the formulation. Thank goodness the Omicron variant seems to respond well um, to the antibodies created uh, by the by the original vaccine that's available right now. So it's not like we have to go back to the drawing boards and recreate something. Do we have to boost them? Yes. But do we have to create a new uh, vaccine to give them? No. And, and knock on wood, hopefully that will stay that way. But yeah, um, I do think that we will need boosters as the immunity drops until this becomes you know, not a pandemic, but what we call endemic. Endemic means that, you know, it exists kind of like the flu, but it's not filling up hospitals. When that time comes, um, then we can just manage this like we do the regular flu. Well, I know you can't foresee the future, but what do you really feel like? I know every year they say when it gets colder out, which is getting becoming winter now, it's not even winter yet. Yeah. When it gets colder out in the and we see a spike in COVID numbers, how long before you think this might be not so much of a problem because I think it's going to spike, don't you, within this winter time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're already at, I mean, there's already hospitals in Michigan that have the National Guard coming to the hospital really? to help because they just don't have enough people and enough rooms. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's going on right now. So, we're, we're in, we're still sort of going in the wrong direction. Even if the COVID numbers start to go down, the hospitalization rate tends to lag behind because people don't get sick today and end up in the hospital tomorrow. It takes you know a week or two for them to get sick enough to land in the hospital. So when numbers start to go down, then the hospital side of things will start to go down a few weeks later. But if I had to predict, you know, I would predict that over the course of the next month or so, numbers will go down. But we've seen them go up and down several times already, um, and and going up as far as number of cases, but not to the point of being sick enough to end up in the hospital is relatively okay, right? And that's kind of what happens when you get vaccinated. Sure, I can test positive, but I'm vaccinated and I'm not gonna get sick enough to end up in the hospital or maybe not so sick at all. I just have to keep others from getting sick. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I mean, I, I would be ha much happier in that situation than having to have the National Guard come in to take care of really sick right. people. Well, that and and that's what I want. Yeah, I wanted to get to the point where, sure, we have people testing positive, but nobody's getting so sick that it's filling up the hospitals because Honestly, I mean, you know, you mentioned Nita in the opening. She's got, you know, she's got ladies that she's waiting on doing surgery for their hysterectomy, things like that, where they might need to stay in the hospital. She can't even do those cases right now because the hospital doesn't have room for it if you need a bed after surgery. Um, and so I just, I want people to be able to get back to taking care of their, their non-COVID related health issues. And the only way that's going to happen is when we stop overwhelming the hospital system mm -hmm. by, by putting people in there that are sick with COVID, most of whom are unvaccinated. Well, I know one friend, a couple of friends of mine, they did not want to get vaccinated, which they did not. And they both got COVID, but they recouped from it. And yep. instead of saying, I'm going to go out and get vaccinated now, there's like, oh yeah, we've already had it. We're fine. That's not the case. They could get it again. It could be a lot worse for them, couldn't it? Yeah, for sure. They can get it again. I mean, so on, on, if you look at three categories of people, those that have never had it, never been vaccinated, those that have had the infection, but haven't been vaccinated, and those that have been vaccinated and had the infection, the, it's, it's a, it, the, the unvaccinated, uninfected people are the ones that are most at risk. But this group that you're talking about, you know, I had COVID six months ago, 
um, and therefore I'm, I'm fine, I've got natural immunity. Yes, they're better off than if they never had the infection, but that natural immunity drops also, just like the vaccination immunity drops. And so six months out, you see that they're actually five times more likely to get infected than those that got infected and got the vaccine. So they're not, they're not invincible or immune in any way, um, but they're better off than if they would have never had it. But that's a risk, right? So I, I would never encourage somebody to say, you know what, go out and get infected. You know, that used to be like, uh, <laughs> right. I think there used to be this, this children's book. I think it was like uh, maybe Henry and Ribsy or Beezus and Ramona or one of these books, Judy Bloom books. I forgot what it was, but maybe Super Fudge. But they used to make sure that everybody in the family got infected so that they could all just be done with it at one time. I remember that. You know, and that's okay if you're talking about a not very serious infection. Not but cold. as we already said, you can be 30-something and draw the short straw if you intentionally try to get infected and end up in the hospital with a life-altering sort of course um, or life-ending course sometimes. And so it's not a great strategy to say, you know what, let's all just go get infected and have an infection party. That's just very foolish. Well, I, I put, put it out there on Facebook asking about some questions people might have. And you answered one already. Charlene Kowalski, who used to work here, a good friend of mine, she said, will we need continuous shots every year to be safe from this? And you're saying pretty much, yes, kind of like flu shots. We're going to continue to have to protect ourselves. So that was yeah, answered. coronavirus. Yeah, coronavirus is something that's been around for a long time. It's a virus that causes a lot of upper respiratory infections. Infection. This is just a bad strain of it. And so as long as these bad strains are around, then yes, we will need some immunity. And it may be something just, just like a flu shot. We need periodic immunization. Okay. Now, Michael uh, Burke, Mike Burke was on Facebook as well. He's a neighbor of mine. Great guy. He um, had a question too. He said, what is the truth about natural immunity after having COVID, which we just talked about? Other countries seem to embrace it, but here in the U.S., it seems like it isn't even discussed. So it sounds yeah. like it has yeah. been discussed. So you kind of just answered yep. that. Yeah, yep. So there, so natural immunity is better than no immunity. Now, it's much better to gain that immunity from vaccination than rolling the dice with getting infection, right? Because if you say, look, I've got two choices on how to get antibodies. One, I can just get the infection, you know, like Beezus and Ramona or, or Henry. Yeah. Um, or I can get the immunity by getting vaccinated. It is much, much safer to get that immunity by being vaccinated. But now let's say that you've already just, you've, you didn't want it, but you got infected and you have those antibodies. As we said, that, that level drops after about six months. And there are multiple people that I know, and everybody knows now, have gotten COVID multiple times. And, and yes, they're not sick enough to probably end up in the hospital, although that can happen, uh, but they can spread it to other people. Um, and so the immunity is much better if even those people that have gotten infected get vaccinated also. And another friend of mine who's a doctor, she said, you have to think about that. If you don't have any scent of smell, of taste, that comes from the brain. So what do you think is going to happen to you down the road when that's that's kind of brain damage? That's not good. So that's kind of scary, too, when you think about it that way. Yeah, yep. I, I would say that that might be a little bit um, more based on fear than science. And that what happens is that, so even before COVID, being an ear, nose, and throat doc, Mm -hmm. On a daily basis, I would see somebody come in and says, you know, everything was fine and I got a little bit of a cold and I lost my sense of smell and here we are two months later and it hasn't come back. Viruses do that. Um, and the COVID virus does it big time. In fact, I was looking through my own social media posts and I remember at the very beginning of this in early 2020, I put something out there that said, hey, if you lose your sense of smell, that could be COVID. You should go get tested. 
And now everybody knows that that's one of the main symptoms. Sure. Uh, but that's not a brain issue. It's because the virus settles into the olfactory nerve, which connects between the nose and the brain, and it sort of kills off those fibers. And then those fibers can take up to a year to regenerate. So it's technically, yes, is it nerve damage? Yes. Is it brain damage? Not really. It's okay. a nerve that sort of feeds into the nerve. So I wouldn't say that people that got infection are brain damaged. I think they might take that personally. <laughs> um, but I, but, I, but I, would say that, uh, I would say that they have some nerve damage if they lost their sense of smell. Good news is that the majority of people get it back, but not in a week or two. That's what people assume. It's more like a year for oh. that to regenerate. I got a funny question for you because this one is a friend of mine, personal friend, and he's like, I don't know what's going on with me. Would you please ask Dr. Bobby when you're talking to him? He might not want this mm -hmm. for the podcast, but <laughs> I won't say what his name is. He said he doesn't think he ever had COVID. He doesn't have any of those symptoms, but something weird's happening is he smells beef stew after he goes to the bathroom. <laughs> he said it's better than smelling the, that's anything worse, but it's always smelling like beef stew. And he said it's been that way for a year. He was using Flonex, Flonex I think is it for the, uh, the sinuses. He thought he used too much of it, whatever that was called. And um, yeah. he had to use it for a long time there. He thinks that he was getting an infection from where he had been working. Because since he quit working at this specific location, he no longer gets those uh, in sinus infections twice a year but yeah. he used so much of this nose stuff that he's always smelling beef stew is there any explanation for that yeah there, there is um i i would say it's probably not related to the nasal spray he may be correlating those two things but that's very unlikely because that's an anti-inflammatory spray and it shouldn't do that but so i mentioned that when people get viral infections or irritation of that nerve they can lose their sense of smell that's what's called anosmia but then there's this other phenomenon that's called phantosmia, smelling things that don't exist or smelling things that aren't, aren't, aren't right. So you, you bake a chocolate cake and it ends up smelling like cigarettes or you go to the bathroom and it smells like beef stew, <laughs> assuming you didn't have beef stew for dinner. Right. <laughs> but, so this is what's called phantosmia. So the nerve is being stimulated, but it's kind of screwy in that it's sending these abnormal signals. No signal means no smell. But sending screwy signals means you have an altered sense of smell. You're smelling things that don't exist. So he probably has what's called phantosmia. Everything smells like beef stew, uh, but there's no beef stew around. It's just because no. it's a, it's misfire, basically. Is there anything you can do for that? Not really. It's, it's regenerating. The good news is that that also, just like loss of sense of smell, abnormal sense of smell, yeah. also tends to repair itself as the oh. nerve regenerates. But again, over the course of a year, it wouldn't surprise me if if a year from now when he went to the bathroom, it smells like he went to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> he might, this might be a blessing. Maybe he doesn't want it to be fixed. And he also has ringing in his ear that will just not stop. And you said sometimes that's just the case, right? It is never going to stop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I see on a daily basis long before COVID. It depends on age, but most people when they get to be 55, 60, especially ones around here that worked in the shop or were in the service or shooting guns or hunting, it's the first sign of hearing loss. Of course, that can also be caused by a virus. And so, you know, if he's if he's in that age group, I would say he should probably get his hearing checked just to get a baseline to see, okay, is it beginning to drop? Not a whole lot that can be done about it if that's the case, but but a good idea to see what the baseline is. And I know just where he can do that. So what would be a phone number <laughs> someone can call to get their hearing checked or check with you? Maybe they have other questions about COVID or their ears, nose, and throat. I know you're the best because you took my daughter's tonsils out and you let me call uh -huh. you every day to check on her. You are wonderful. So can you give us a number they can call your office to ask more? 
Sure, sure. I'd be happy to answer anybody's questions about any of the things we've talked about. Um, my office is 810-244-8400. But yeah, ha- happy to be useful to you. Even if it's a phone call is all you need, happy to do that. Even if it's about beef stew. (laughs) Well, Dr. Bobby, thank you so much for taking your time with us. I know you have such a busy schedule. You were busy up until the moment we called you, and you're probably busy after. So I just want to say have a great Merry Christmas, and thank you for your time, and a Happy New Year, and please stay safe. Oh, thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you too, Stephanie and Jay, and I appreciate the opportunity just to raise the level of understanding and education. it doesn't matter to me what decision people make as long as it's made with the right facts. And that's that's what we're trying to sort of get out there. But thank you for helping me do that. Absolutely. And if they want to have a, a shot, they're usually free everywhere you go. And is there a website or they can call you? Like, how can they find out where they can go to get these free shots? Because they seem to be happening yep. all the time and you're always there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to, to do that. And the simplest way is just to um, put in GCHD or Genesee County Health Department and vaccination sites. And immediately you'll see one of the first hits um, will have exactly where they're doing, which vaccines, which age group, whether it's the five and older or you know a general adult population everywhere in town. So pretty much five days a week, you can find a place in Genesee County to go get vaccinated. And if you're still having a hard time, call that number 810-244-8400 for my office. And I'm happy to help you sort of navigate the, uh, the website and, and get it done. You rock, buddy. Thank you so much again, Dr. Bobby. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, Jay, are you going to get your shots? You got yours already. I already right? had all three of them. A booster two? Yep. Would you have Moderna or Pfizer? Moderna. All the way yeah. around? All the way around. Okay. I had Pfizer plus Moderna, so I'm double checked. That's right. My wife had the same thing. She had Pfizer and Moderna. So. Okay, good. We're the same. All That's right. right. Glad you're protected. We need you. So that's good to hear. <laughs> and hopefully everybody out there will consider getting vaccinated because we want you safe and sound. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thanks for listening to On the Road with MTA, Stephanie K and Jay. Have a great day. You've been listening to On the Road with the MTA. For more information on our services and community outreach, visit us online anytime at www.mtaflint.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The MTA, your community, your connection, your way.